All right, so in, in, this, in this narrative, in this part of the story that, that Mark is giving to us, uh, we, we see that, um, that Jesus gets alone. He gets alone and, and he prays. Now, now, guys, I hope that you ask yourself this question and you ponder it. If Jesus is God, why would he pray? Why would he pray at all? And if Jesus prayed, what, what really is prayer? And if Jesus prayed, what does that tell us about the importance of, of prayer as well? Um, Jesus gives us an example in this narrative of solitude. It's not just about prayer, but it's solitude. He got alone with God, and prayer was, was a part of that. There's two, two main parts that I want to throw at you about the solitude that he had, uh, and it was prayer and it was listening, two primary things. So if you're taking mental notes uh, or even heart notes, just think about solitude, time alone with God, is for prayer and it's also for listening. We're going to unpack unpack this. Um, I uh, I'm going to be quoting some from a classic book by Richard Foster called "The Celebration of Discipline." Um, our other pastor, Eric Morgan, has actually been discipling some men on Wednesday nights, uh, walking through this book. It's not too late to jump in, uh, men. If uh, if you've got some time, I think it's 5 p.m. Uh, that uh, these guys meet uh, right here, and uh, they're just a few weeks into it. Jump jump into it. And so I'm going to be I'm going to be quoting some from from Foster as well. Um, let me uh, just start out. Let me give give you a little bit a little bit from from this. He said, uh, "How often we fashion cloaks of evasion, beam-proof shelters in order to elude our eternal lover. But when we pray, God slowly and graciously reveals to us our evasive actions and sets us free from them." Let's pray. God, I pray that you would reveal to me, start with me, God, and reveal to us that are in this room and maybe even someone who listens to this sometime in the future, God, that you would do a transforming work. You'd show us where, where we fall into the, into the rut of evasion of God, that it could be because of busyness, it could be because we're OCD, it could be worry and anxiety, it could be because we're control freaks, but for whatever reason, Lord, we we avoid you. We avoid spending time with you. And, and I just say, Lord, that, that the only reason we'll do that is if we really misunderstand the gospel. If we don't understand grace, if we don't understand the finished work on the cross that Jesus, you did for us. To know, Lord, that when we come before you, that when we spend time with you, there is no condemnation. But there's change. There's transformation. And God, I pray for this time, Lord, I can't move anybody's heart but you can. Lord, I, we don't want to just have a list, a bullet list, Lord, that we can go and, and go and engage into this week. And, and, and we, we want to be strat, strategic, Lord, but we don't just need something that, that we can activate later on the week, God. We need transformation now. In fact, just, just stop where you are right now. Just, just you and God. You and God. Just say, God, transform me right now. Somebody pray to say, God, transform me. Somebody pray that out loud. God, transform me. Somebody pray out loud. God, transform us. Bless us in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Mark uh, 1. Let's start in, in uh, 35 there. 
rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place where he prayed. Now, we're actually going to jump over this verse, um, and we're going to get to the next part of the story, and then we're going to loop back around, okay? Verse 36. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him and said to him, everyone's looking for you, okay? All right, so here's what we're going to do. The, the majority of our time, I want to focus on verse 35 of what Jesus did in his, his time of isolation, in his time of solitude. Um, but, but in this part of it, now he's, he's done. They actually, they found him. They found him. And uh, they, 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 said, they said, Master, you know, they said, Jesus, you know, everybody is looking for you, all right? I, I don't know what everybody does in here. I know there's students in here. Uh, there's single moms that are in here. There's full-time moms in here. There's a lot of you that you work in the marketplace. Uh, and and you've, got, you've got mission that you're a part of within, within your company, within your family, within your, your neighborhood, uh, within a nonprofit organization, maybe. I mean, there's, there's lots of work. There's lots of mission. And I don't know if you figure this out yet, but you never finish. You never finish, at least if the mission is big enough. If, if you're part of... If you're part of an organization and, and you've, you hit the mission two years ago and there's nothing else there, you need to get out of that, get out of that mission. You get a new mission. You've got to get a new organization that you're part of. You need something that it's going to take all of your life and then it'll be past your life because it's something you can't be a part of, that your whole generation will not be able to accomplish it all. You need a vision and a mission that's that great. But do you realize the implications of that? If you don't understand grace, if you don't understand that you're accepted by God, as a Christian, that is, that there's grace when you fail, and there's grace when you succeed, and that you don't have to get it all done, you'll, you'll just collapse. You will implode emotionally, maybe even physically. There's folks that they do. They just, you just burn out. You will never get it all done, even even within your family. I mean, we got some uh, amazing moms, you know, within this church, and uh, my my wife is an amazing mom. Of four kids from sixteen to eight, you know. And I, I look at y'all, I look at look at you married moms, look at single moms, and and y'all are you're amazing. And 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 there's never enough time, is there? You know, there's always something more to do, and there's always that pressure, always that tension, like oh, got to get it done, got to get it done. Jesus sets an incredible example for us, you guys, to, that we must learn to stop. We must learn to rest. And not just for rest's sake. This is, this is a strategic rest. This is not just having, a, having time to yourself. And that's important too. It's not just time to unplug and, and unwind. That's important too. But the time strategically is you, Jesus. And that's what, that's what he shows us. Jesus showed us his time with the Holy Spirit, his time with his dad. You cannot do all things, but your God can. So they say, everyone needs you. Everyone's looking for you. I mean, it sounds familiar. You know, the project is going to fail without you. Your family's going to fall apart. Or your group, your group needs you. Your, your church needs you. Your neighbor needs you. The laundry's overflowing. All the dishes are dirty. What do you do? What is it that you do? What do you do next? Where do you give your priorities? Where do you put your time? As I, I, I think it's important that, that you're not run by your circumstances and that you're not even run by your priorities, but that 
God runs your circumstances and God runs your problems. And there's, there's a huge difference there. You will always be behind the eight ball if your circumstances run you. You'll always be behind the eight ball even if your priorities. Now, now as a strategist and as, as go-getters, we, need, we must be people that are they're of our priorities. But God is one that he even gets to supersede our priorities. He's the one that gets to be able to say, here's what you do now. Here's what you do today. And you're free. You're free to do it. Listen to me. I'm, I'm, I'm giving you permission that when things are undone, you can have some time with God. I'm giving you permission that even when that, that huge project that you're working on at work, I mean, it's just raining down on you, you know, and just and, and all the time you're going you're gonna to spend 16 hours today working on it. I'm giving you permission to stop have some solitude with Jesus Christ. You guys need to take this. I spoke with a friend just the other day about uh, our enemy, our enemy Satan, and and, the, and his demons, and and, uh, and and there, you know, we should have a respect for him, not not a reverence, but there's a respect that we should have because he is powerful. But honestly, there's not all that much that Satan and his demons can do to a Christian because you already bought. I mean, the, the worst that he could do is get you to heaven quicker, maybe, you know? The worst that he could do. And see, then he, then he loses even, even faster. And, and, uh, and God's even, he's sovereign even over all of that. They, they can't do all that much. They can't steal you from Christ. Even if your life is taken, you're secure. But what he does well, among other things, is distraction. Isn't that right? That mainly distraction from time with the God who loves you. If, if he can just help a person to stay busy, and if you think that the world will absolutely implode without your continued interaction, your enemy is winning and you're losing. Guys, be freed. Christ has set you free. You cannot save the world, but Jesus is. And he will accomplish what he wants to do. So what are you to do? How are you to spend your time wherever God points you? Now, if you're a religious person, and there's a lot of religious Christians, but people that are genuinely Christians, but they're religious. Here's what I mean. Religion is this. Just tell me what to do and what not to do. Just give me the list and send me on my way, and I'll be just fine. Thank you very much. You don't need any kind of relationship with God to be religious. You don't need any relationship with Jesus to have the rules of what to do or what not to do. And, and that's, it's easier that way. If we could just know, all right, in this scenario, I'll always do this. In this scenario, I'll always do this. And, and I've got my calendar packed. And, and uh, I mean, some of y'all, you're, you're lazy with your time. You're not strategic enough and you need to get on the ball. Others of you, you're OCD. And you, you really, you look at that and it's just, it becomes your God. It's like, if I can control all of this, I know that I'm okay. No, you're only okay if Jesus has bought you with his blood. And so you can be free that, I mean, I, I, listen, I've got a packed schedule and it's organized. And so I, I, I commend that. I commend organization and strategy. But if you feel okay only because of your tick list that you have, you're in trouble. And if things go awry within, within what you've planned, then your hope is based on your supposed control that you have in your life free. You can do what Jesus tells you to do.
but there's a, there's a catch to that. That means you can't just have a list of, of everything to do and everything not to do in every kind of a situation. It means you've got to be close. You've got to be listening to his voice. And Jesus modeled that. Through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, connecting him as far as the manhood of, of the man side of the God-man, connecting him to his Father, just like we have the Holy Spirit within us, and listening to the voice of his Father. Of like, whatever you say, I'm going to do I'm going to do that. And, and here he's in a place where it's like, you know, man, if, if it seems like if I was looking at it, if I was a coach, I coach pastors, uh, I coach some church planters, you know, and if I saw this scenario and, and I was coaching Jesus, you know, and there was all these other people that, that could, that could use help. And, and, and honestly, I mean, I don't have the kind of healing and, and miraculous power that Jesus is. So I'm, so I'm coaching Jesus. And I'm like, Jesus, you better not go away from those people that need you. And that's exactly what his disciples were saying. They're like, there's so much more to do. But Jesus had spent time with his father. And he found out what he was supposed to do. And he courageously pressed forward. We'll, we'll get to it in a minute. Verse 38. He said to them, Let's go on to the next towns that I, might, I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. All right, so again, we've been, we've been talking for weeks, and, and we've got several narratives ahead of us as we're pressing through Mark of more healing and more uh, freedom from, from uh, demonic attack. And so we'll be able to unpack that a lot more. We're not going to unpack that uh, right now. Um, but, but again... There's just a lot of times in your life that everybody's expecting something of you, just like they did of Jesus. And everybody wants a piece of you. And you're being pulled in in many different directions. And there's not enough time and there's not enough energy to do everything, even in your own sphere of influence. You can't do it all. Do you know that Jesus wants us to hit that wall? Because he doesn't want us to to think we're the Savior of our friends, or our family, or even our unbelieving friends. That he didn't want us to think that it's because of us. It's got to be something miraculous that takes, that takes place. And, and so when everyone expects something of you, you must press into Jesus. And sometimes people, they're going to misunderstand. Sometimes they're going to disagree with your priorities. They're going to disagree with, with the trigger that you pull. What you have to do is you've got to stand humbly but courageously and just say, you know what, I've got to do what God is leading me to do. And like I said, there's huge implications to that because if you don't press in to prayer and if you don't press into the Word of God, then you're just relying upon religion. You're just relying upon, well, that list of what to do or what not to do. And I think the best case scenario is for me to do blank. If you don't spend time with God, if you don't dive into His voice, which is the Bible, sometimes, like Jesus did, you have to move on. That, that though there's, there's much more to do, there's many more people, there's many more needs, you've got to press forward, and, and people, they're, they're not going to understand, but it's okay. It's okay. And when that time happens, you're going to find out whether you're primarily a God-pleaser or primarily a man-pleaser in your life. Whether, 
whether you have more of a fear and reverence of God or a fear and reverence of man. Because if you're destroyed by that, and, and listen, I'm, I'm, I, I hit this wall. I do as a pastor. Because there's so much to do. There's so many people to minister to. There's, so, there's just so many tasks. There's so many projects. And I know there's, there's times in which not only am I going to, is there going to be misunderstanding within, within the church because I've done the right thing, there's also times I'm just going to blow it as well. I'm just, I'm just going to screw things up. It happens. And we've, we've, got to, we've got to be a people that we say, you know what, I'm, I'm free. I'm free to follow Jesus. Did you know if, if somebody, even, even, if, if, even if it's me, if I ask you to do something, you know, and God's not leading you to do it, you know what you need to tell me? No, thanks, though. Did you know you don't need to give me or anyone else an explanation? Explanations are fine. But do you know that you're free to not have to give explanations to people? Let your yes be yes. Let your no be no. Smile. I mean, don't be smug and say no, you know, to people. But just say, you know, no, thanks. Thanks for the offer. Some of y'all, you need to be free to say no to people. As Jesus tells you to. Now let's go back. Let's go back to verse 35. Let's look at what Jesus did. Rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. Guys, this is this is very practical, what took place here. And I just want to practically look at what Jesus did. And again, I pose the questions. I mean, if, G- if Jesus is God, why did he pray? If Jesus prayed, then really what is prayer? And if Jesus prayed, what does that tell us about us and how we're to pray? Now, first, I want you to note that in verse 36, if you, if you read back there, Jesus found him praying. I mean, like for whatever time, it said it was very early. In fact, the, 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 uh, the original language here, this word that talks about uh, early in the morning actually meant early in the morning. It was dark. It was way before people normally got up. That he, he got up because he had to. He had to get up. Uh, I, want, I want to, let me read a, a few things. Uh, Martin Luther said this. He said, I have so much business I cannot get on without spending three hours daily in prayer. Three hours daily in prayer. Now, I'm not saying that as a prescription for you guys, uh, that that's what you have to do every day. If, he said, if Jesus tells you that, then, then do it. Um, but, but did, I mean, did you hear what he said? I've got so much to do that I've got to spend three hours in prayer. I mean, me and just the carnal pastor that I am at times, flesh driven by my flesh and my desires. It's like, I got so much to do. I don't have time to pray. I don't have time to get into the Bible right now because I got so much to do. That's not what Jesus models. That's not what Martin Luther says. Well, John Wesley said this. God does nothing but an answer to prayer and backed up and backed up his conviction by devoting two hours daily to that sacred exercise. David Brainerd, which he says, I love to be alone in my cottage where I can spend much time in prayer. I set apart this day for secret fasting and prayer to God. He had a day that he set aside that he spent with God, all right? Again, 
I, want you, I don't want you to be crushed by these examples. I want you to be encouraged and, and lifted up. Because it's not a, don't, don't judge yourself because well, that's, I'm not doing that or there's no way I could do it. That's not what we're saying. What we're saying is go to Jesus. Ask Jesus what he wants. And, and, ask, and ask him to help you to rearrange all the other priorities around whatever, whatever he says. Whatever he says. Um, Richard Foster, he said, uh, said this. He said, prayer catapults us onto the frontier of the spiritual life. Of all the spiritual disciplines, prayer is the most central because it ushers us into perpetual communion with the Father. Meditation, which is another discipline he talks about, introduces us to the inner life. Fasting is an accompanying means. Study transforms our minds, but it's the discipline of prayer that brings us into the deepest and highest work of the human spirit. It was early when Jesus got up early. Psalm 63 verse 1 says this, O God, you're my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Earnestly I seek you. Other, other times it says, you know, I will seek you, will seek you in the morning. Learn to walk in your ways. Do you know that if you're a Christian in here, God has given you a new heart. You're a new creation. And and though there's many times in which you're like, I just don't want to. Do you know what doesn't want to? The old dead heart. That's what doesn't. But what's called the flesh that's within you. Within you. Um, and now just note that the, the Bible, uh, and especially the writings of Paul, tells us that we're free from our flesh, that we're not bound to it anymore, yet we still go to it. We still go to it. So when it is that you feel like, I don't, I don't want Jesus, I don't want to press in, it's only the old dead heart that feels that way. But God has given you a new heart, and it's part of the belief in the gospel, believing the grace, believing what Jesus did on the cross and what he did for you when he saved you, when he adopted you, is he gave you a heart. And you know what that heart does? It does exactly what, what David says. It earnestly seeks him. His soul thirsts for him. It faints for him like a dry and weary land where there is no water. That is the new heart that God has given you if you're a Christian. And you, if you don't feel that way, you need to say, God, I reject false beliefs. I reject deception. And I believe that you've given me a new heart that absolutely longs for you. There's, I know there's at least somebody in here that today, that's, that's going to be what God wants to do is give you an aha moment to say, man, I've just believed a deceptive point about myself. God says, I really, he's created me for himself. And I'm going to draw, draw to him. So first thing in the morning is what, what Jesus did, even before folks, folks were there. I mean, what is, it, what is it that you do the first thing in, in the morning? First thing, check email, look at Facebook, work out, eat some breakfast, take a shower, look in the mirror for five minutes, uh, get on the scale, or do you just jump jump up like a bat out of hell and just get going because you're late, you hit the snooze button too much time. The things that we do first thing in the morning show what our real priorities are. And sometimes what they show us is that our priorities are actually tied to worry. They're tied to anxiety. They're tied to obsessive, compulsive 
actions. Now, now listen. Some of y'all just got pressed down. You just felt the weight. Let me lift the weight back up. I'm not. I'm not saying that very. That every one of you, first thing, first thing in the morning, that that's your time. That you've got to. That's the time which the bulk of of uh, the minutes that you spend with God and you go and you be alone. It's got to be right there. I'm not saying that. But what I am encouraging you with is every one of us that the very first thing that we do in the morning is we proclaim the gospel to ourselves. That we that we look and just say, God. You have completely accepted me. I'm completely forgiven uh, that you began a good work in me and you're going to be faithful to complete it. I walk in the victory of the gospel today. Would that change some of your days if you did that? If you just proclaimed the reality of what the gospel is, it would. And at the end of that period, you just say, and Jesus, I surrender. Whatever you want today is what, what I want. I challenge you guys that you would that you do that. And just in the morning, I mean, it's it's just. I mean, we've used this illustration for for years. That just imagine that every morning when you wake up, you wake up on the throne of your life, and the first thing you need to do is get off that stinking throne because it's not yours to sit in. So first thing, open those eyes and just say, God, I relinquish the throne. It's not mine. It's yours. I surrender to you. What if your morning started out standing in the peace of God and in the, the conviction and the clarity of what the gospel has done instead of reacting to the chaos of the day? What if? Jesus was alone. So this means that you need time alone with God. Not just you time. And that's it's good. You need to plan you time. I know especially, I mean, not everybody in here is married, and I'm glad that we've got a good mix. But uh, there's there's a lot of a lot of uh, wives and and moms that are busy in here, and I'm, uh, I tell the husbands in here, you need to strategize time for your wife to have some alone time. And we're, I'm, I've got some homework at the end that I'll, I'll challenge you with on, on what that might look like. But you need to take it upon yourself that you're like I'm going to protect I'm going to protect that space. And that you figure out some time to where she's able to have some time, uh, even just free time, but especially some God time. Um, now, as we unpack this, as we look at this solitude time, how it's both prayer and listening, let, let's, let's, let's go deeper in that. Prayer, prayer is this. Prayer is talking to God, right? Prayer is not everything else. Prayer is not hearing from God. Prayer is not meditation. Prayer is not study. It's not all these other, these other disciplines. Prayer is from you to God. It's you talking to Him uh, in, I mean, in your mind, in your heart, uh, with your lips. It's, it's where you're addressing your God. And there's multiple things that you can do that would be inclusive of what prayer is. But it's one way from us to God. However, it's a gateway. It readies us for the voice of God in our life. Prayer is communicating to God. It requires, it requires that you believe that God is with you. It requires that, that you believe that, that, that God is for His glory, but also then for our best. It requires that we would think that it's important for us to listen to Him. And, and, and then as we get to the, the thing of listening to God, the primary method of listening to God is going to be through the Word of God. 
That's the primary place. It's not the only place, but the primary place. If you want to hear from God, you need to be in his story. We, we use the, this, the cool Latin phrase, vox Dei, the voice of God. The voice of Jesus is what the Bible is. Him telling the story of what he's been doing, what he's been up to since eternity backwards is what the Bible is. It unpacks. It's the voice of God. And so if you want to listen to him, you start there, start there in the word of God. So Jesus, he, he had this time in which he was, he addressed his, his father and he listened to his father. And, and uh, so the solitude of prayer and listening, it included waiting, it included prayer, it included listening, it included thinking. Now, waiting is important, and that's the reason why solitude is, is, is important. Um, uh, now, I'm not going to say that you can't have music playing because uh, some people, you do okay with, with noise uh, in, in the background. Most people, though, it, it, there needs to be, needs to be quiet. Um, and I, I think one of the main things that God does is, is that in solitude with him, um, for us as humans sinful, sinful beings, um, that it takes time for the noise to stop, doesn't it? Time takes time for all just the clutter and, and just all the things that are spinning around in our brain, our heart and our mind, all of our priorities. It takes a while just for those things to come to a stop. Um, and so it's important to have silence and to wait, to slow to a stop, to let the noise clear. But then again, prayer, you, you enter into prayer as I said, prayer is it's from you to God. And it includes, includes times of confession when you're saying things, all right, God, this is who I am or what I've done. It, it includes times of intercession, which means you're praying for other people. It includes time of, of, of worship and praise. That's, that's prayer, worshiping God and praising Him. Uh, that Many times one of the, what you can do in, in prayer is, is you actually pray the Scripture right back to Him. That you, you speak it back to him, his words right back to him. Prayer also includes times when you just kind of unload to God, when you talk to God. And, and, and here's, here's a word that I want you to catch for today. The element of prayer that I think is most missing in Christian's life would be what I would just call including. Including. Here, here's what I mean. Um, you're a... Uh, you're driving, driving to work, driving to the office, driving to the grocery store, and you got all these things going on in your head, and, and maybe you're obsessing about it, or you're worried about those things. You know, you know what you can do? You can actually just start to talk to God about those things. Now, you might get into a place where you're like, God, help me, help me, intercede. You're, I mean, you're, you're saying, Lord, I need your help and rescue me, you know, for something. But the inclusion that I'm talking about is just to where you talk to Him where you're including him in, in, in what's going on in your day. You know, it's like you just talk, start the kind of things that you would say to a friend. So you know what, Jesus, you know, yesterday it was an amazing time with the kids and, and, and we went to the, went to the, uh, the, went to the yogurt mountain with the boys. I appreciate that you brought those neighbors by, you know, that we hadn't seen in a while and we got to just sit with them and, and, and got to connect with them and, and then ended up seeing, seeing them at, a, at a, one of the kids' birthday parties later on. You know, God, thanks for working those things out. It's simple, just inclusion. Speak to them. Um, 
some of you, maybe you, you grew up in, in, a, in a place where, in a, in a church that the reverence that was shown for God was, man, you, you've got to pray high and mighty prayers and you need to say thee and thou. And, and uh, I mean, you've got to use the, the, the longest theological words in your prayer that, that you have in, in your brain. And uh, if you can pray the King James, man, you're, you're, you're good. You're good to go. And it's the kind of thing that it's like, you know, it just makes it so unbelievable. It makes God seem so far away because it's like, I'm just not that kind of a person. I, I guess I'll never really have access to God. There was something radical that Jesus said when at the very beginning of the prayer that he taught them, when they said, Jesus, will you teach us to pray? You know, he said, we'll start out like this. And he said, say, Daddy. That's what Abba was the term. But it wasn't just Father. It was personal. It was, it was what it was what little children called their father, daddy. It was intimate. You think about the way that, that kids talk to their parents. I mean, they, I mean um, JP was was uh, asking me asking me for something uh, even this morning. It's like you know what about you know what about this certain uh, program uh, you know on the computer and and uh, you know he didn't come up to me and say oh thou father. I have been looking at uh, this new program, and I would like to beseech thee on behalf of myself. No, I didn't. He said, "Hey, Dad, I got something uh, that I, that I want you to look at and, and see if it'd be if I could have it." You know, it's just right there. Zoe, when she wants something, Daddy, you know, can we go for a walk? That's what God wants us to do. He wants us to be released of all these things where we sep- think we're so separated and he's so far away and he is so big and he's so powerful and so different, but he's right here. He's right here with you and me. And he says, call me dad. I've said it before, but here's a good homework. This week when you pray, how about, how about you address your prayers and you start out with dad or daddy? How about you do that? It'll change you. It'll change your life. Uh, we had a devotional this, this week just with my kids where uh, I actually just read them this scripture uh, that we we're going to unpack today. And, and I, said, I said, guys, I said, uh, I said, let's just kind of talk about what prayer is when you're talking, talking to God and, and uh, to ask them what they thought and how they prayed. And, and, uh, and they, they gave me some good things. Well, you ask for things. And, oh, you thank God for things. And, and uh, oh, you, you 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 praise him for, for things, and, and they, they hit they hit most of the things that were there, and and, and one of the things I challenged them with is I, as I said I said kids, I want to encourage you that when you pray, that it's not just asking him for things, because I, I've got at least one that um, that just where they are walking things out right now is it's kind of just a grocery list. I just like well. Okay, this and this and this. Can you do this? Can you do this? Can you do this? Can you do this? And this and this and this and this. And asking is so appropriate. But but God doesn't want us to just be presenting a grocery list before. And I got I've got at least one that that man just about everything is just thanking him. And it's so beautiful. Thank you for this and 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 thank you for that. And it, there's just such a sweet spirit of gratitude that's there. And yet even that is not going to be the full course meal of, of a relationship if we're just, if we're just thanking. And, and one of the things I was challenging them with was just include him. 
just talk to them about what's going on. What, did it, what happened in, in your day? The same way that you might do with mom and dad before, before going to sleep. Knowing that, knowing that he cares for you. Uh, I, love with, I love praying with my little Zozo, my little eight-year-old girl. And uh, I, I, there was one night we were praying, and I, and I knew I was coming up on this, and I had my phone, and I wished that I'd hit the audio button to, to record it because it was just so sweet. It was just a, a childlike prayer, and she just started, she just talked to God, and, man, she just went all over the world. I mean, literally in her prayers. And they weren't, they weren't connected. Why she would, she would pray for the certain things. They weren't connected. But they were. They were. I believe God himself was, was speaking to her and drawing her near to him. And she just talked. Just talked to God. And, uh, I mean, I was, I was inspired by my daughter. Just talking to God. And I... I ask for God to inspire us to that. We would just talk to him. So in your solitude, in your time with God, that, that there's a time for us to, to start out in. And I, I challenge you that you'd start out in a prayer, that you would ask God, that when you get alone with the Lord, that you just say, God, would you, just, would you speak to me? Would you reveal yourself to me? Would you give me wisdom? Would you give me discernment? And then I'd say, get into the Word of God. Get into the voice of Jesus. Regularly hear from Him. Let Him speak into you. Let the Word of God pour into your life. Let it be just like, I mean, how many of y'all have, you've got, how many of y'all like hiking? You like hiking. How many of y'all, you've been to a, uh, uh, a place where there's, there's a waterfall? And how many of y'all, you've, you've uh, gotten underneath that waterfall, you know? Is that one of the most amazing experiences? Where, where have some of y'all go? Where are some of the waterfalls or places? North Carolina, where? Pisgah, okay, all right, other places. Fall Creek Falls, okay. Anybody else? Where? Niagara Falls. Did you get under that one? <laughs> That's awesome. My respect level just went up for you, John. Um, you know, I believe that's like what the Word of God is, is that we're, a, we're, we're just naturally dry, and that when you step underneath a waterfall, it's refreshing. It's just beautiful. And just that we need to say, all right, God, how often do I want to be refreshed? How often do I want to experience the beauty of the waterfall of the God's voice? And you're going to answer. You're just going to know, man, I, I, want to, I want to experience that all the time. So get into the Word of God. But take time take time to meditate. Time, I mean, it's meditation. I mean, it's, it's just like a cow chewing its cud, really. You know? Do you know that process? You know how all that works? You're going to get grossed out a little bit. You know, they, they got all these different stomachs, and they take it down, and it's like, okay, it's time to pull it back up, and they chew it, and, and they, then they stick it down into another stomach, and then they pull it out and, and chew it a little bit more, and then they stick it down. That's what, you know, uh, it's, just, it's just a pretty crazy process. I don't know how many times they, they do that. But that's, that's what it's like when, you, when, when you're with the Word of God. Is you just want to just kind of chew on it. You just, I mean, it, I don't know if you've ever had a good, I mean, a, a great chicken wing, you know, buffalo wing, you know. It's like there's some pretty cruddy buffalo wings out there, but occasionally you get a great one. And those that the, the flats, you know, 
I mean, I just, I just love when you get a, when you, when you got a really good smoked one with just the right kind of hot sauce and then there's nothing, there's nothing left. There's nothing. I mean, you've just almost, it's like you're sucking the marrow out of the bones. I mean, it's just, you're, it's like, I want it all. I want it all. And that's really the way your soul is before the Lord. Take the time and just chew on that, chew on that buffalo. Be silent and expect that God will give you aha moments. Now, there is what's God, what's been called the dark night of the soul. There are times in which God seems far and there's a dryness, there's a silence that's there. And God purposely will allow this at certain times in your life for you not to lean on your emotions, for you not to lean on your affections but for not even just to lean on your mind, but to trust him in, the, in your relationship, to notice that, God, even if I don't feel you, even if I'm not getting, getting that big aha moment right now, I trust you, and God will grow you during those times. But I'm telling you, when you take time to meditate, when you're silent, man, God will give you aha moments. He'll reveal. And then whatever he reveals, commit to it. Commit to his direction for you and pray for God's movement in others. I had a, an Acts 29 pastor. I was, had a conversation with him just, just recently and having a very uh, challenging season. And uh, we talked and then we prayed and we talked about the sovereignty of God and how God is in control, and that gives, that's the umbrella for, for everything to really trust in all of that, you know? But, but even underneath the umbrella of God's sovereignty, circumstances remain and pain remains. So it's like, what do you do? What do you do with that? And, and what's improper is to say, well, God is sovereign, so you just say, I, if I'm really holy and if I'm really a godly person, I'll just dismiss it. That's a bunch of crap. You don't have to dismiss the circumstances, you don't have to dismiss the pain. Because God is not just sovereign, He's compassionate to us. He compares, he, he cares for us, and He walks with us. And you don't have to dismiss it. You don't have to put on a happy face and fake it. You can admit your pain before God, but take it to Him. Don't feel you, like you've got to bootstrap it. Don't try to appear strong. Just come to Jesus because He cares for you. He's called the Wonderful Counselor for that reason. I'm not the answer man. Um, if you're looking for a pastor or, or leader that's got all the answers, you got the wrong guy. And in, and in coaching, coaching others and discipling others, one of the things that I've been trained and try to train others to is, is when people have a problem, when they've got difficulties, don't, don't just tell them what to do. Don't do that. Even if you know the, the answer, as the Holy Spirit leads you, tell them, okay? But generally speaking, when you're in someone else's life and you're, you're walking with them, you know what one of the best things you can do is look at them and remind them that the Holy Spirit lives within them and that the Holy Spirit will speak to them, that the Word of God was written for them, and victory is before them if they'll believe and seek the Lord. Believe in Jesus and believe in the Jesus that's within them, so therefore you believe in them and their relationship with them, and just say, I'll walk with you, and I'll struggle with you, and I won't withhold. I mean, if I see something I'm concerned about, you know, that's not what I'm saying. But believe in them enough to, to not just be their Savior, 
and their answer person. Rather, lead them back to the Lord. Guys, as I just kind of wrap things up, Jesus, he prayed, he talked to his dad. Now, he didn't ask for forgiveness for anything because he was perfect. But I think if you, if you looked at what's, we call it the Lord's Prayer. It's really the, ser, the servant's prayer, the disciple's prayer. But if you look at it, you could, you could imagine Jesus praying the vast majority of that prayer to his own dad. Saying, man, dad, me, my, my father, my dad in heaven, hallowed be your name. Dad, may, may your kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. May your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Dad, would you give me today all, all that I need? Listen to the voice of God. Here's, uh, here's my challenge. Here's homework that I give. Between May and December, that you would carve out a three-hour block each month to get away with Jesus, your Bible, and a notebook. That that you would look and just say, "All right, Jesus got alone with his dad. What does that tell me of the time that I need?" For us to say, "I'm too busy not to have some solitude." that you figure it out. You tell, you tell your calendar what to do instead of your calendar telling you what to do. Spend some time alone with God. And maybe once a year that, that you may even, you take a time, maybe a, a day where you fast from talking. Silence. You say, all right, God, I want to be one that listens. I want to listen to you. I want to listen to others. I want to practice these things. In uh, just a minute, and we're going to pray, and and uh, we're going to open up uh, the tables for communion. And um, we, we do communion different different ways at different times. Um, a lot of times we'll take and then go get into groups and, and pray. Today's going to be a little bit different. Uh, we're going to have uh, a, a couple of our leaders, uh, a, a couple of couples that'll be that are going to man the stations uh, and. Um, what I, what I want is, is for you just to allow this to be a lone time between you and God. And then when they serve you, go ahead and take there. Um, take, take the bread, which is already broken, and either dip it into the, the wine or dip it into the juice and then receive it. And they're going to say something to you. They're, they're going to proclaim a blessing over you. Receive it. Just you and God. Just listen to what they say. And receive it from the Lord. He it was said that Jesus took the bread and he broke it. He said, this is my body which is broken for you. Take and eat. And he took the wine and he said, this is my blood. It's poured out for you. Take it and drink it. Jesus died and he rose again and he has made a way where there's no more separation between you and him that you can come to him. If you're one of our friends that uh, is not a believer, and the deity of Christ. You've never come to a place of full surrender. Let today be the day, even right this very second, that you just say, white flag, I surrender, Jesus take me. And then come on up and join us as a new Christian uh, in taking taking The uh, table, uh, we've got a table back here 
uh, over here. Uh, they'll probably move it up a little bit so that they can get behind it. And there's a table up uh, in the area near the safe, and they'll probably move that as well. And so y'all just kind of um, move in cycles uh, there. Let's pray and uh, prepare ourselves, okay? Lord, um, thank you so much for uh, for your example, Jesus, um, of getting alone with your dad. Thank you that Thank you that we can do the very same thing. We can get alone with our heavenly dad. We can get alone with the Holy Spirit. We can get alone with you, Jesus. And, and may all the Christians, may they go before this table today and they just know that because of grace, because of the cross, if they're a son, if they're a daughter of God, they have instant access to you. And Lord, I pray that you would. You bring somebody to repentance even today where they just say, I reject doing things my own way. Jesus, I surrender. Uh, Lord, bless us uh, as we enter into this time. Uh, continue to transform us and help us uh, to, to take the steps that we need to within our own personal lives and those around us to seek you in solitude, God. In Jesus' name.